This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, welcome back to Open Mind with me, Frankie Bridge. I am so excited because today I am joined by the lovely Zoe Sugg. Um, some of you may know her as Zoella. She is um, a, a vlogger, an author, and a businesswoman. She's got it all going on. Hello. Hello. Thanks Hi. for having me. That's okay. I have literally wanted you on since the, um, the beginning of Open Mind. Aww. Um, so you. we've finally got there. Three series in, and we've got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just feel like with you, you're someone that's. I read once, this was a few years ago, that you were like one of the most influential people like in the world. Oh my gosh. Um, and I was <laughs> like, that's insane. You're so young. You've done so much. Like, even before I knew what vlogging was, um, like I remember I met Tanya Burr. Yes. Yeah, Tanya, Tanya Burr. Burr, yeah. And um, I, they'd set up, I was doing something, I can't remember what it was. I was promoting something and I had an interview with her. And um, they'd set aside like, I don't, like half an hour for this chat with her and she literally strolled in she had this tiny little camera held it up with her arm like like she was taking a selfie next to me chatted for me for like five minutes and then left and um I was like oh so you're a blogger and she was like no I'm a vlogger and I was like oh I've never felt so old in my life um <laughs> and it just blew my mind you know you had all these people coming in with all this stuff to set up and then there she just rocked up with her yeah. little camera and then job done so um, stripped back <laughs> yeah do you find it like difficult to explain your job to like the older generation I definitely did at first because I suppose in general, it's still quite a new thing, like mm-hmm. blogging and vlogging. Um, and obviously, I discovered blogging first, and that was back in 2008. Um, and that was just simply writing about whatever you loved online and posting it. And if people read it, great. Most of the time, they didn't. Um, and it was just this place to kind of share your thoughts, feelings, passions, and kind of meeting like-minded people and then when that slowly turned more into like video blogging hence where like vlogging comes from Mm -hmm. I guess it was a way of it's sort of like a video diary isn't it so you're picking up your camera and you're kind of going about your day and still talking about the things you love and the things you're passionate about but back then not many people were doing that so you'd get some really funny looks whipping your camera out like walking down the street or um yeah I don't know how you do that to like, be honest, even still with like you know, like with Instagram, if anyone catches me doing it, I'm like, no, I have to do it in secrecy. I like. know. I actually used to be so much better about it. I think I've mm. gotten more and more shy as I've got older. Like the longer I've done it, which just makes no sense at all. Um, but yeah, at first it was it was um it was a weird concept to a lot of people because there wasn't that many people doing it. It was kind of this new thing. Um, but I guess as time's gone on, more and more people have kind of got into it or there's mm. other ways of sharing now, like you said, Instagram. And I guess that's a style of video, video blogging because we're all sharing our day to day lives and what we're up to, what we're eating and who we're hanging out with. Um, but yeah, no, it's funny. 
And how did you get into it then at the beginning? What made you do your first blog? Um, I think I'd stumbled upon a couple of other people's blogs and I'd thought, oh, I know what it was. I was Googling a product to find like a review of it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to buy it or not. And I think it was a Mac product. I was obsessed with Mac when I was like a teenager. And I was like, it's expensive. I want to see, you know, what other people are saying about it. I don't want to just read you know, in a magazine, what someone's saying or read an advert somewhere. I want to know like what real people think of this product before I buy it. And so I Googled the product and then someone's blog would pop up and it would be like, oh, Mac eyeshadow in this color. And then a photo of it on their eyelid and like them talking about it and like all of that stuff. And I thought that's such a good idea because you're really getting a whole different perspective on a product from someone who's just like me. Um, and so I started Googling reviews on people's blogs of beauty products. And I thought, I, f- I feel like I could do this. Like I'm going out and buying all these products too. I kind of want to talk about what I think about them. So I think I started off with a Lush haul and I talked about all the things I'd ordered from Lush and what I thought of them and what they smelt like and like rating them out of five. Um, and it kind of just took off from there. That's mad. I love that. That's a good idea though. So I, I suppose... That's a really good point is you're reading people's opinions on things um, personally instead of reading whatever the brand has said about it. And it makes complete sense. I suppose that's kind of what with Instagram now a lot more people are doing. But I feel like you were at it before it really became a thing. So, um, yeah, mental. Did you ever think because I know you said before, like when you've spoken about um, anxiety and things like that, like you suffered with it before you started all of this mm-hmm. do you did you think about that when you went into it or I suppose you thought oh, no one's gonna read um, it anyway yeah I guess not because to me at first it felt more like an escape from real life so if I was having a really anxious week I found so much comfort in sitting down and writing about the products I really enjoyed using and it was a nice way of I guess, sorry if you can hear my pug snoring, by the way. I just realized I've got my <laughs> headphones on, so I can't hear her, but I know she's snoring really loudly. Um, That's all yeah, right. It was a nice way of me kind of feeling better about it, I guess. It was an escape at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously at first, no one was really reading it. So it was more just me talking into the abyss. Um, and then eventually, as people started chatting, you'd get to know people and you can make friends through there and things like events started happening in like 2000 and oh when was that like 2011 maybe I went to my first event and oh no actually it would have been way before that 2019 I think and you start meeting other girls who are also writing their blogs and it it was like you built all these new friendships and you sort of created this little community of like-minded people and I think that for me actually helped yeah um in a way when I first started what where did your anxiety kind of come from when you were were younger do you think I think so I remember being anxious as a child but obviously when you're that young you don't you can't pinpoint why or how you're feeling that way no um and it was usually in scenarios where I couldn't leave so if like my parents went to their friend's house, for example, and me and Joe like came along, but we didn't really know their friends and we didn't really know their house. I, rem- I can distinctly remember having those feelings of being like, I don't want to be here, but I have no choice. 
Okay, um, that's and interesting. I, yeah, but obviously not really knowing that that's anxiety. I think I used just used to say, I don't feel well, like, and can I go home? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember the anxiety being much more prevalent in my life around the age of 14. So it's when, you know, exams are starting, you've started your period, you know, you've got like friendship dramas and everything starts getting a bit more serious in your life. Well, not serious, I'm using air quotes because... Yeah. At when the you're time f- though, yeah. it seems like life, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's, that's when I was like, okay, something's up. Like when I was 14 and... I I still didn't really know what it was though. I just used to think I don't feel right in this situation or I don't want to be here or I I think I just thought I don't feel well mm-hmm. and I just couldn't work it out and literally until I was about 18 and that's when I was like hang on I'm going to google like what's going on here and then it mm-hmm. was like anxiety and I was like oh, maybe that's what this is. Um so for at least 4 years I was having really bad anxiety in certain scenarios or having panic attacks and not knowing what it was at all and just thinking I'm there's something wrong with me but I don't know what it is and also because I wasn't talking about it there was nobody else to be like oh yeah me too I have that sometimes or so I just felt like it was just me yeah and what did you do then when you felt like okay this is what it is did you go and speak to someone did you go see a therapist So when I was about 18 and I was like, okay, this sounds like panic attacks and anxiety. I went to my, I made an appointment at my local GP and I went along and I, I felt so like weird going to speak to somebody about it. And I was like, I just don't know. I'm like, I felt really embarrassed. Like I didn't, like I walked in and I sat down and and I think it was a guy as well. And I just felt instantly quite like uncomfortable having to talk about it in like a GP like session yeah I suppose at the time you're like well is this an illness I don't really know exactly and especially when I was 18 there just wasn't really anyone talking about mental health Mm -hmm. there was there really wasn't that much on the TV about it that I'd seen anyway none of my friends would talk about it it just wasn't a thing that was discussed talked about shared I hadn't really seen it in films like yeah it just felt really weird that I thought I mean, I don't know why I'm going to speak to my doctor about it, but I feel like that's probably what I should be doing. Um, and it wasn't a very great um, session with the GP. Like he was like, oh, I think it's because you've started your period um, and it's just your hormones and it's mm. not anxiety and it's not panic attacks. You, I think he told me to buy a pair of trainers and go for a run. Oh, for like, God's <laughs> sake. And I was like, <laughs> um, okay, okay. Well, if- Oh, no, if I felt embarrassed and unsure walking in here, I feel so embarrassed and like so unsure walking out. So that put me off going and speaking to anybody for at I'm least another surprised. two years. Yeah. Two years? Yeah. And did, so you, I, did you tell your parents? Did you tell any friends at this point? I think I did tell my parents and they were very supportive. But again, I, I didn't feel like they really understood like yeah. I would explain it and they'd be like oh you're just worried mm. like you just worry too much um but they, that was they, what that was me you're a worrier she's yeah. a worrier and you're like, yeah or you're okay. just overthinking everything I'm like <laughs> but should I feel like this all the time <laughs> how do I not overthink things then um but they were very supportive in me going to the doctors um and I think after that I don't know I guess I must have just I don't even really, even really remember what I did after I think I must have just said oh it's my just period with it yeah yeah and just carried on but then I think 
at that stage in your life between 18 and 21, so much changes and it's such an uncertain time. And I was one of those teenagers where all my friends had a plan and I just didn't feel like I had a plan. I was like, I don't know if I want to go to uni. I don't know what I would do at uni. What do I enjoy? I basically picked all the arty subjects. Yeah. So then I came out and I was like, well, do I want to be an artist? Or do I like, what do I want to do now? Um, and so as all of that ramped up between 18 and 21 and all my friends were going out to clubs and like going and getting drunk, I just found all those situations so overwhelming and I used to like flake out on all the plans and I was that flaky friend, (laughs) (laughs) the flaky anxious friend. Oh, I I suppose for you it was drinking kind of, I don't know, like I do drink, but I find I can't drink the same amount as everyone else. Like I don't really enjoy that feeling of being drunk because it's that feeling of being out of control. A hundred percent. That is me. I don't really drink because of that. And actually the last time I was talking about this with my friends the other day, the last time I got really drunk, I was 18. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) And that was enough for me to be like, I'm not doing that again because I just had the worst anxiety because I couldn't remember what I was doing 10 minutes beforehand. Yeah. I was just, and I was like, no, this is not for me. So I'll still, I'll have a little drink every now and then, but I, the thought of getting drunk, yeah, not having control. Even for a time, I didn't like being around drunk people. Yeah, I think it, if you're not drinking as well, I think they can feel quite unpredictable. Yeah. And that's not comfortable to be around, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can, I can be around drunk people now, but... yeah. For a while, going into a club was like the worst possible thing that I could have done. And did you do you find socially that that's like accepted? Do you feel okay to be like, no, I don't drink and I don't want to drink yeah. tonight or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I actually have never felt peer pressured. Actually, that's like good. my whole life. Yeah, you must have really nice friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of them would love to see me drunk now. But. Yeah. <laughs> the sensible friend that everyone's always waiting when's she gonna do it (laughs) yeah it's more it's more like I'm the one that's gonna film them being really drunk and threaten to be like guys I'm gonna post this on Instagram (laughs) no I wouldn't do that so then did you when how did you then because you do see a therapist don't you so how did you take that step then so when everything started getting more serious with blogging and um, uploading to YouTube and starting to work with brands and all of that started kind of kicking off, which I think was around 2012. Um, I started doing a lot more things that were really out of my comfort zone. So obviously being in my bedroom and filming videos is so like within my comfort zone. I'm not it's having to- It's quite safe, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really yeah. safe. I'm not having to go out and meet with camera crews or do things that feel really alien to me. So I found doing that fine you know from the comfort of my own home I was editing the videos myself I was choosing what I wanted to film I was choosing how I wanted to do them and upload them and everything and then so many great opportunities were coming up so you know do you want to come and interview One Direction do you want to come and film this thing for this YouTube channel or do you want to work with this brand where they're going to shoot you for a day and and obviously those things are so exciting but I found them all so difficult and I did want to do them because I I'm I just never want to think oh I should have done that um so so many things I was like yeah I'd love to do that like I know how important it is for me to push myself out of my comfort zone um but I just started finding it all so hard and then kind of simple things like being recognized doing my local food shop or being stopped for a photo in the street or having for a while we had people 
like waiting outside our house and just all these little things that I could never have predicted would be happening to me in my life. I was like, okay, this is making my anxiety so much more heightened and so much worse because I never, like, you know, I liked being in my home. I'm like Miss miss cozy comforts and now all of a sudden I'm like shooting these things in London and interviewing One Direction and going to premieres and I'm not so not used to this um so then I decided to work with a therapist in 2014 and I've been speaking to her ever since and did you feel like that instantly made a big difference to you I suppose being someone who has been like thrust into the spotlight it's quite nice to talk to someone who's kind of neutral and yeah, yeah, and she really made me understand my own mind, which I didn't really realize beforehand what therapy was. Like everyone has this vision of therapy being like you're lying on a couch and you're crying into <laughs> yeah. a box of tissues. And that is so not what that was for me. It was it was somebody teaching me how my mind was working and why it was working in that way and then finding a way to undo that and change the way my mind was working in order to better suit my life um and I, yeah I've just learned so much it's it's been like the best thing I've ever done so then what made you kind of then from that moment decide to speak about it because I suppose for you coming from talking about makeup and things that you like doing on a day-to-day basis and kind of vlogging all those things to then talk about something quite personal was that quite a big step for you yeah I think at the time I my anxiety was starting to get quite bad I think I posted my first video about it in 2013 so this was a year before I decided to speak to a therapist and okay I had started doing all these things and my anxiety was so bad but there would be times where we would be on stage doing something for example and I started to worry that that fans would sense my anxiety and think that I was not who I appear online Um, so I would, whenever we did like meet and greets, for example, I used to find those so hard because you just, you just worry that everyone has this expectation of you and you'll know exactly what that Mm. feels like. And you don't want to let anyone down. And if you're doing a book signing and you're meeting 800 people, you want person number one to get the same experience as person number 800. So you push yourself through it and you're like, I'm going to give every single person 110% of Zoe. But by doing that, you're also like completely kind of crumbling yourself away as Mm. the day goes on and I used to get so aware of it and I just used to think like I can't show that I feel anxious I don't want I don't want people to see that I am like panicking because I don't want them to think less of me like I used to get really embarrassed yeah um I think it's like feeling like you have it having to live up to an expectation isn't it it's like although yes that is the real you I think there's that fear of when people meet meet you of it of it almost being a letdown you're like yeah and you just don't yeah exactly and also I think just to to explain to people that anxiety works so differently for each individual because I would go on stage and do like a I don't know, an interview or we would do some sort of like challenge on stage in front of thousands of people. And it would confuse people because they would be like, but I thought you were anxious. And I'm like, yeah, but it takes every bone in your body to to keep you there. Mm-hmm. And then you walk off and you just completely crumble or you crumble before you get up there. So I think I wanted people to see that like 
what you're seeing isn't the whole picture. So I look like I'm, I've got this perfect life and here's my lovely bedroom and here, here's all the makeup that I love and use and here's all these cool things I'm doing. But I want you to know that to get to those points, it wasn't as straightforward as me just strolling on that stage and having the best time ever. And that I've, I absolutely love meeting everybody, but that is also one of the situations where it takes every part of me to try and stay there that whole day. Um, and also because as an 18 year old myself, I would have loved to have seen somebody speaking about it like that. I think I would have found so much comfort and reassurance in somebody who I liked to follow or somebody that I looked up to speaking quite openly about that. And so I just made the decision that I would sit down and be really open about it and just say, this is what I struggle with. This is how I feel about this. And when you see this really nice photo or you see this picture at this premiere, that's not the full reality. Like there's so much more to me than just what you see. And I think it helped a lot of people. What was the response like to that first video? I think because of a lot of the content that I put up is quite like surface level stuff. It's like, oh, here's what I bought in Lush. So everyone's like, oh, cute. Yeah, I love that soap too. But when I uploaded this video, it was like all the comments were like paragraphs and paragraphs of people saying, I would never have guessed and I'm the same or I've struggled with this. And it's, yeah, it's like a whole, you open up like a whole other world of conversation with people. Mm -hmm. And did you feel like it kind of helped you a little bit? Because I found by talking quite openly about my mental health is that it's almost then I've stopped hiding a little bit. Mm. It's, yeah, it it's takes the like, pressure oh. off. Yeah. Yeah, because it is that all of a sudden that expectation that you think people have of you that's so high, you can say, hey, look, it's not like, you know, sometimes I struggle with this. And by you being quite vulnerable and open with them, it almost, I don't know, it's almost like a bond then. And it's like people understand you better Mm. And that pressure of trying to be who you think all these people need you to be is dropped a bit more because they understand more about you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you take on a lot of pressure for all the girls that are, you know, and boys that follow you and kind of listen and take on everything you say? Do you feel a pressure there with that, that you're kind of like an idol to so many people? I think so. But it's the sort of thing that I'm just aware that I want to continue to talk about it. I never wanted it to just be that one moment in time in 2013 where I just uploaded a video that for me was like the start and me kind of like opening the door and being like, hey, I struggle with this and I will always want to openly talk about it to encourage more people to be speaking about it. Um, there was a time when I uploaded that video shortly after that because I think it sparked a lot of conversation in the community and lots of people were saying like, I had no idea that I was suffering with anxiety, but after watching your video and hearing you speak about it, I can see now that that's what I'm struggling with. 
a few people were like, oh, do you think people are just jumping on the bandwagon? Like, do you think anxiety is like this <sighs> new trend? And I'm like, no, because we're talking about it, more people are talking about it or they're discovering exactly what's going on with them. Um, so I've always been very like, I'm going to just continue to talk about it because clearly we've still got a way to go and there's still some sort of stigma and taboo around mental health. But I definitely think over the last eight years, it's just being talked about more and more and more, which is amazing. Yeah, it has changed so much. I think um, I first spoke about my mental health in 2012 and then I kind of put a lid on it and was like, it was still very much like, okay, you've said it now, don't want to be poster girl for mental health issues, yeah. you know. And then as time's gone on, I've been like, mm, no, actually wouldn't say that that's true and the conversations definitely evolved um and you became mind charity's first digital ambassador didn't you yes. which is yeah awesome. I did a fellow mind ambassador <laughs> yeah mind was actually the website that I discovered when I was trying to work out what was going on with me oh really yeah so I oh, found so the nice. mind website and I was going through it and like looking at all the like symptoms and things that you could be experiencing and I was like oh that is anxiety so it was the mind website where I actually discovered that it was anxiety that I was suffering with and you've had such a huge career for someone who's how old are you now only... 30 god I almost oh, said 28 yeah I'm 30 <laughs> <laughs> my god you're so old I know um, I feel like I feel like this birthday doesn't count because we haven't been able to celebrate it oh so I know it doesn't count I'm so 29 <laughs> it's so rubbish isn't it I think you know you're only 30 and you've achieved so much you know probably I don't know more if not more than most people by you know even a lot older than you do you find that as as a pressure on yourself or an expectation from others for you to kind of keep achieving this same level as of success yeah a couple of years ago I did have a little moment of that where I thought you know I'm not I'm not going to continue in this like upward peak forever and at some point it's going to mellow out and go down um and I just kind of rejuggled my life a little bit. Like, I think because I've sort of had my head down and just gone with it, taken all these cool opportunities while I can, and I'm still really enjoying creating the content. I'm still loving what I was doing even back in 2012 on YouTube and things. Um, I took a step back and I was like, right, let's reevaluate, which now I quite like to do each year and just refocus on what things are you enjoying doing what things mean a lot to you um what things would you like to do and then trying not to cram in as much as I have done previously um especially now as I'm getting older I just feel like my 20s were just this wild ride of craziness and now I'm like <laughs> okay I'm in my 30s I feel like eventually I'm going to like slow down start a family and do things slightly differently but also it was like a moment of I'm not 22 anymore like I the things that I enjoyed doing when I was 22 I still enjoy some of them but without having that kind of rain check of being like you're 30 now you're not 22 you don't want to be going at the same pace you've always gone at is quite nice because yeah at some point things have got to change you can't just carry on at the same pace no, I think that was a big realization for me as the years have gone on. As someone who's worked from such a young age, you feel like you've got to keep this constant, yeah, uh, like busyness. Like I still find it weird now of like not being busy 
24 hours of the day 365 days of the year like it's yeah you almost feel guilty yeah and that's not how you measure success like no, I, it's my, so true my manager was like that's not a measure of success you don't have to be busy every single day for to be successful and it, I think that takes a long time for anyone whatever industry you're in if you're I think that's what's almost been if you can find a silver lining with everything that's going on at the minute with coronavirus and lockdown and things like that is we have all been forced to slow down and kind of take a step back. Like yeah, how have true. you how have you found that? Have you found it's kind of helped your anxiety or made it worse? I it was so interesting because if if 5 years ago you'd said to me there's going to be a pandemic in 2020. You won't be allowed to leave your house. You won't be allowed to make social plans. You certainly can't go to a gig or to a nightclub and you can't get on a flight. I would have been like, that sounds like my idea of like heaven. Like actually <laughs> being told that I can't leave the house. But amazingly, I was like, oh, like I want nothing more than just to go to a gig. And like be surrounded by people or I want nothing more than to be on a flight. Um, and those were all the things that I really found so hard. But it made me realize how far I'd come with my anxiety that I was at home wishing that I wasn't. Okay, um, yeah. So that was really interesting. Um, but my anxiety is not really health based. So uh, something like coronavirus didn't affect me in that way where I was kind of worrying that I was going to get it or um, like a health-based anxiety, but it certainly had its moments where like the feeling trapped thing. I was going to say, if you're someone who doesn't like feeling trapped, now being told, although you love your house, now mm. being told you cannot leave your house, surely that made yeah. you feel funny or maybe because it was in your house, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, no, I had a couple of days. I feel like most people I know have had those wobble days. I feel like everyone listening to this will have been like, yep, I've had yep. I've had a wobble day yep. <laughs> where you're like, what is going, what is the world? And when is this, you know, when is this going to feel like it did before? But I think for me, it was just more of that sort of time of reflection. And um, I just kind of, I took every day as it came, which I kind of surprised myself about, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a weird one. For me, I'm I get quite anxious in social situations. Mm. So at first, I was like, "This is great! Like, I don't have to <laughs> say no to anyone. I don't have to say yes to things I don't want to do. Like, everyone has stopped, so I'm not getting FOMO or worrying yeah. what everyone else is doing. Like, this is good." And then I remember the first time I rang my therapist, like after lockdown, she was like. Um, you're probably my only client that's been fine. Like everyone, I have more phone calls from like everyone else. My therapist else. said the same thing to me. How funny. Really? <laughs> we would have been great. <laughs> um, and then for me, it was more like the slow, like coming out of lockdown of that me too. uncertainty of like, well, you're kind of allowed to do this, but you can't really do that. And I feel like they left everything so gray that it was almost like you had to decide what was right or wrong. And then I had this fear of posting something and everyone being like, you're wrong. You shouldn't be yeah. doing that. And then just, yeah, I I'm exactly really the same. I found it more difficult easing back out of it. Yeah. I like a routine, I think. And when, when we were in lockdown, I, you know, I nailed the routine. We had, <laughs> we like, we had that down. And then when it was like, oh, but now you can go out or now you can make plans with your four friends. Like, yeah. 
it was then that like bringing everything back in and like being like, okay, how were we doing this before? Because I've sort of forgotten. Yeah. Um, I found that bit a bit more. And also just because everything is still so um, kind of strange out and about, like it isn't normal just to go to the shops now. You don't really casually browse in the same no. way and you don't meet friends in the same way and you still have all these things that you can't do but you sort of can. <laughs> so yeah. it's like you said, it's like, you know, it's just such a gray area that you don't feel 100% comfortable doing anything. Yeah. Um, and I read somewhere that you'd been to see Joe in the theater and even that yes. made you feel anxious. Oh God, yeah. So for me as well, a lot of it is uh, the feeling of, I can't leave this. So obviously going to see your brother in West End, <laughs> I can't be that sister that like bails. And yeah. because I really, really wanted to see it, but the pressure of me staying to see it is what can cause my anxiety. So things like meetings I used to find really hard because I didn't want to be that like unprofessional woman who calls you in for a meeting and then gets up halfway and just walks out. So the I would just put pressure on myself to force myself to stay in situations when really if I wanted to, I could have been like, oh, I'm just going to nip to the toilet or I'm just yeah. going to go and take this phone call. Like you're never really in a situation where you can't just get up and leave. But I always used to kind of stick myself in situations. Um, and that was one of them. And we'd rushed there. Like I'd got the tube, which I used to find really hard. And I was like, no, I've got this. Like I'm, I'm feeling fine. Like we'd run through Covent Garden and then we'd like run straight in, taken a seat and then it started. And I think I'd basically just put I'd just done all the things wrong like yeah as an anxious person or generally anxious person you know the things to not do and the things that you need to take a bit more time over and I just did that so wrong um <laughs> but I did manage to stay I didn't leave I managed to stay um and it was great but yeah that is a that is a prime example if it was you know just going to watch it and Joe wasn't in it I don't think I would have felt the same way but oh, it was really? that, yeah because it was that pressure of being like I don't want him to go, how was it? And I, and, I, and me turn around and go, oh, I didn't it. see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good point. To be fair, I'm a bit like that in, um, like I've been like that in gigs and stuff that I've gone to see. If it's really busy and you're really crammed in, then I kind of panic that I can't get out because there's too, yeah. like I would never be that person that's right at the front of the barrier of like, Whoo! like loving their life that would be my worst nightmare yeah no you wouldn't find me there either no yeah you could put us on stage which is still give you anxiety but you've got your space to move and you can get off if, yeah if you exactly really need to. exactly um and you decided to do a video with your therapist is that your personal yes. therapist so what yeah. made you do that just to kind of open the conversation yeah it was something that we'd wanted to do for a really long time because I obviously I've been very open about me doing therapy and I talk about it a lot in my videos and just generally and I'd always said to her like I think it would be so helpful for people just to hear some of the things that you say to me um, and some of the things that have helped me but also just things that people could kind of keep in their back pocket and anyone suffering just with general anxiety obviously everyone's anxieties are so different so it's it's quite hard to listen to one therapist's um uh, advice on on anxiety in general but um 
So we recently did Digital Detox Day, which is a campaign to encourage people to look at how much they're using social media and whether they should take a bit of space from it. Um, And basically the negative impact that social media can have on people's mental health. Which Um, is interesting as someone whose whole life is based on Exactly. And I can see it. I see I can see it because I've been online for 11 years. I can see the change that it has on people and how I can see how it's getting worse for people. Um, And obviously in my DMs, I have people all the time saying like, I'm being bullied online or I'm finding being online really hard. And that was just something that we thought would be like the best campaign to put together because I spend time online. This is what I do. I also have anxiety and I can see how social media can have a negative impact on people. It can be an incredible place at the same time but like everything too much of something is probably not going to be good for you so we did this campaign um which was in september and we asked everybody to like take the day off and in the run-up to the campaign we focused on the specific areas that would affect people's mental health related to social media so we had things like body image cyberbullying, and one of the videos was anxiety and i we were doing kind of panel discussions with other influencers and creators And I was like, there's one person who I just think would be perfect to do this video. And that was um, my therapist. So we sat down and did like an hour long Zoom chat. (laughs) And people really loved it. I think it's just those simple little nuggets, isn't it? That, okay, everyone's anxiety might be different, but I think sometimes just hearing it from a a professional and how they word things, you just kind of go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I think sometimes if it's your friend or a family member, we tend to not listen to them because we're like, well, you're emotionally involved, so you're going to say these things. And actually having someone from the outside say it, you kind of take it in more. Yeah, it's so true. Do you get affected by things online or are you quite good at kind of blocking out other people and taking it for what it is? I definitely had a moment, I think back in like 2013, 2014, when it got like a lot, I was kind of like reading every comment and like I would take things so personally. Um, And then as the years have gone on, I've detached myself more and more to things like that because I guess you see it so much now and it's it's not right but it's almost like you have to desensitize yourself um but there will there will definitely still be occasions where things will I'll read something or I'll see something and be like oh like that's so frustrating because it just it really muddies like your whole day um and it's so true like reading you can read all these lovely messages and there'll just be one that stands out to you and you're like that's not right or you've got me so wrong or and I'm the sort of person that I take things really personally and I care way too much about what people think about me which is just like the worst combination if you're going to be a kind of influencer online um but there are certainly a lot more things in place now or things that are being put in place and there are so many more people being very open about it and talking about trolling and like obviously the negative effect that that can have on you. Um, But I don't know. I have no idea like if it will just carry on. I I feel like over the years it's got worse because Mm -hmm. I think people, it just, I think people have gotten used to just being able to say whatever they want. And Mm. nine times out of 10, there's absolutely no repercussions for that either. 
So and I think it's, it's an scary. expectation as well. I think once you start sharing, it's almost like, oh, well, you've put yourself out there so I can say yeah. what I want about you now. And it's like, well, would you say that to someone's face or would you say that to someone else? So nine times out of 10, they probably wouldn't. No. And they also never really get the the full picture. Like my therapist always used to say to me, like, you have to remember these people don't know you they don't that you know they're not coming into your house every week and sitting down with you and having a coffee or curling up on your sofa with having a movie night or like they don't actually know you they only know what you're giving them so yep. you know it, it, you have to kind of take it with a, a bit of a pinch of salt in that aspect and also yeah it's it's just one of those things isn't it it's, it's I don't think trolling will ever change I unless they get you know these big crazy measures in but I just don't see how they're going to monitor it it's just like the internet is so big it's like how are they going to stay on top of that you did that program didn't you where you met with a troll yeah I remember watching that and thinking oh my god she is so brave I was so scared (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember what happened when you actually confronted them you know what most of them had nothing to say yeah um and then the ones that did, uh, it's, it's really hard. I think you get two types. Like we, ha- I met one and she was just not sorry at all and was just kind of like, well, this is my opinion. You put yourself out there. You deserve it. I can say what I want. And then like a, 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 one of the guys that I met and had a chat with, he was like genuinely sorry. Mm. Well, well, I don't know. I think at the time I remember thinking, I'm not sure it's genuine, but he said he was sorry. Yeah. Um, but I felt that came more from a place of embarrassment of, mm. oh, I normally say these things. No one ever pulls me up on it. No one knows it's me personally. And I can kind of have that outlet and no one needs to know. And then I think knowing that his face had been put to it and his name, he was then embarrassed. But I don't feel like that was necessarily because he was sorry, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. So I think it's hard and I think we all have this vision of what a troll is and the thing that I found scary when doing the documentary was that we all kind of envision these people that don't leave the house, have no friends, don't have a life and they're just miserable and sat at home and actually nine times out of ten that's not that's not the the case case. yeah and and I think that scared me a bit I was a bit like oh god it's just normal people that just say what they want to say yeah and I think it genuinely think it is because it's faceless it's just a way of I don't know why you need that outlet but you know yeah I think it's going to be hard I think next generations though hopefully are going to be more aware of it yeah I think so it's the sort of thing that I know now is being taught in schools quite young too I think as young as like year five um and I think that's great because I think the more awareness you get at a younger age of like how best to use social media and how not to use social media the better because I think kids are getting younger and younger now using social media um and that's where I'm like oh I just I don't know how it will affect you know I'm 30 year old so when someone says something to me I probably heard it 30 times already and I'm like uh but if that's I don't know, an 11 year old reading something about herself before going to bed at night, that's going to affect somebody so, so much. Mm. I think they're, 
we're almost playing catch up. I think for like our generation, it's all still quite new and everyone's kind of learning. I, my sons are five and nearly seven and I'm kind of like, I hope by the time they're at an age, if social media is still a thing, that everyone will have learned by then this is the right thing to do on there this is not quite right and everyone's kind of figured it out I don't know if that's like a dream world for a parent and I'm like it'll be fine (laughs) I really hope so I saw a quote that was um and it's really stuck with me because I just think it makes so much sense is that if you're not kind online you're just not kind you're not a kind person in real life either like you can't be you can't choose to say like oh no I'm a really lovely person in real life I just like to say these things online but that doesn't make me an awful person because I'm nice in real life Mm. I feel like the accountability for how you behave and how you speak to people is exactly the same as online as it is offline and I just really liked that it was like if you if you're not kind online then you're just not kind yeah such a good point yeah like <laughs> so th- th- you don't get like an excuse just because you typed it instead of saying it to someone's face it's the same yeah. they're still reading it they're still taking it in the, in the same way and I think sometimes almost written is almost word- worse because you can just keep looking at it yeah and it's imprinted like you mm. can shut your eyes and you can still see it yeah definitely well thank you so much I literally I could just keep on chatting I'm like uh we've been going for a really long time now um but I just have found it fascinating like I said I was so excited to talk to you I think just as someone with such a huge platform um I commend you for just being so open and honest about everything I think you know you're going to help so many people with that and I hope you keep it up and thank um, you yeah thank you so much thank you lovely to speak to you thanks Now remember, this podcast is all about encouraging us to be open and have those hard but important conversations. If you're struggling with your mental health, the best thing you can do is to talk to someone. If you'd rather chat to someone impartial, there are plenty of resources and support provided by the mental health charity Mind. That's mind.org.uk. So that's all from me for now. Until next time, so look after yourself. <laughs>